some Presbyterians going to listen to this and be like, what the, what is she talking about? <laughs> I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, Senior Minister at Community Church of New York. I'm Jill Novensky, the Director of Religious Education. And we're coming to you from Community Church here in the heart of Manhattan in New York City. Coming from a long line of disruption. Four fires, three name changes. Two pandemics. <laughs> four times. We sold five of our buildings. Yeah, that part. We had a vote to oust the minister. We're in a rented church space. We got sued by four members. <laughs> oh my God. We're inviting you to join us for a Sunday to Sunday rundown of how we do things here. Hoping that you find out what that might look like for you. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we are showing up. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 2,000 of them are incarcerated. So it's a super cool ministry. And they were talking about, about how, so it's our largest church and they're, but they don't have like a senior minister or they do, but they have like a, a lead ministry team. And the team consists of two people, one ordained and two who are not, which is a disruptive model. So it's that kind of thing. Like when we think about what's disruptive, that there are these, different models like that's not a model I don't think anyone before had thought about mm -hmm. but there it is right I mean it's we should interview them yeah there's another model too which is this is what I was talking about before about, about polity this is a group I think they're called the Potomac partnership it's three ministers oh, around the DC area right they share a staff person like they do a few things together is it team i think congregations get so like hyper individualistic mm -hmm. but the ability to move past it a little bit like first the ability to move past and just like partner enough to have a shared staff person that's right. super cool but there are others like um beacon mm -hmm. how do they work they've got because i know a bunch of folks at beacon but i don't understand I mean, it's like a three-person team. Uh -huh. And I think one person does, like, Chuli is, like, sort of our Jeff, right? Like, yeah, the administrator, right. yeah. chief of operations yeah. person, which is super cool because when you're a solo minister, you end up doing a lot of that work, and it's yeah. really hard to do ministry when you're also doing that. So, but, but that she's been elevated as, like, one of three people on that leadership team and then there are two ordained ministers i think one does social justice and one does like worship and more kind of the internal work that but i said to one of them so cool i love this model and it looks like it's really working and her response was well it really works until it doesn't right and i was like hmm and that didn't sound like oh and there's trouble at all it sounded more like Everything is interesting. I mean, I think she even followed with, like, every model is good until, you know, for a while. Yeah. There's actually been, I've heard people talk about the possibility of changing our polity. Like, what would happen if we were to shift it up, like, like every 25 years? <laughs> if we just, like, right now, congregational polity and every congregation is completely independent and in voluntary association through that sort of random covenant and that we many of us pay into a pot that helps the UUA function right that's that's our real that's it we, we have no real association with each other but someone suggested that 
we should go to an Episcopal model and then a Presbyterian model. What do you feel like that would look like? Well, I mean, I think there are advantages and disadvantages for all of them. So I sort of like the idea of making nothing concrete, right? Like if every 25 years we tried something else. I like that a lot too. Because you and I like change. <laughs> I mean, I like stability as much as the next person, for sure. And I like organization. But I think that it's realistic, especially given the last three and a half years. I mean, what better illustration do you need that we have to be flexible and adaptable? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I feel like, you know, I like stability and I like framework. But I think it's just realistic to have built-in flexibility, not find yourself so attached. That's exactly where we get stuck. Just the the option, like if we had to change right. every time, we would just build the muscle. I, I think that alone gives that tiny little bit of leeway we need to ideate. You know what I mean? So the advantage is right now, what we have that I really, really love is that independence is the idea that we can do whatever we want to do as a church. We can together decide. I mean, we just did it, right? We hired um, Brother Zachary, who's a Catholic priest. Yeah, yeah, we do it a lot. We do it a lot. But when I put that out there and was like, I'm looking for a chaplain, not a UU, so many UU ministers were annoyed with me. And for good reason. They're like, there are a lot of people looking for jobs. Why would you hire outside? And there were real reasons I wanted to hire outside. But one of them is that we're a community church and not everyone who walks in our doors is UU. 100%. So it it felt like... If we're serving a community, we you know we need to be a little bit flexible on this. No, I think it's great, honestly. That that decision I think is exactly illustrating a, a model that serves the mission. I mean, because you, we you know more perspectives in the room. Right, right. It's really critical. Right. I mean, it definitely. I think it served us really, really well, Absolutely. and it's because of congregational polity that we can do that. Right without anybody from the outside telling us we can't. So, I mean, those are the good, that's a good thing. On the other hand, congregations right now that are going broke, that there's sort of nowhere to go with that. There's no help. And there's not even any centralization. Like, why does every single church, I think there are a thousand UU churches, why does every single one do their own payroll? Like, why can't payroll be centralized? Like, yeah. why, why does everybody need to have somebody on staff who understands how to do this. And it's a particular skill. And you have to pay somebody or you have to pay a service. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why, why can't we just, like those things I feel like that doesn't serve us very right. well. Or it doesn't serve us when we get so individualistic, we can't really think about partnerships in any meaningful, legitimate way. Whereas if we were to shift it, right, if we were to like go to an Episcopal model and there was a bishop, there are a lot of really bad things about that. But one of the good things is um, that for a little while, somebody would make some decisions, right? You wouldn't have to have really long congregational meetings, right? And fights, or even um, denominational meetings, right? Like yeah, GA yeah. where we yeah. like are in a room and seriously, there's nothing more maddening than listening to people fighting about specific words or phrases, I, even lobbying for a change of language in some document, no one will ever read again. Nobody cares about, has no impact or meaning. We spend so much time. There are people really in need and we're thousands of us in a room arguing about like 
should it be then or then? I mean, I it just, it's maddening. That kind of thing, I feel like if there was a bishop who could just say, here's, like, I put together a task force, they created the language that we need, here's the document, <laughs> like, you know, go do something that matters. There's something sort of liberating in that for me, for a short time, not forever, but right. for a little while. You know, I, 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 thinking about it and having come to UU as an unchurched, so I don't really have any other reference, denominational framework to reference personally, but like, honestly, in my experience with community church, even over over decades, right there, I sometimes I think it's possible that congregants sometimes get a bit attached to the polity, in a way that sort of satiates the wish to feel like you've served, but really service isn't, as you said, it's not really exactly happening. I mean, it, it's sort of the motions around all that the polity needs all the all the conversations all the meetings all the votes all those those things i think can sometimes be become a distraction from the actual service uh to humanity you know what i mean like how are we seeing outside of that once that's all done you feel like you did a thing but as a matter of fact maybe there are ways of framing things where we could actually be spending much more energy in the doing and a lot less energy in the hashing out about the doing. Same time, I have to say, I really bristle at the idea of a bishop, even though like I, I like the idea of maybe switching things up and trying different things and I can see how that could be useful. Ultimately, I love our democratic system. The, the other, the third option is the presbytery system. And I don't know as much about it, but it's more of a leading by committee idea. So instead of like a, a bishop, there's a group. Like a panel. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking also. And then I think it goes out to other panels. So it's not even like that sort of Catholic model of there's a pope, like one person in charge of everything. And then bishops like putting one person in charge of individual areas and it being very individualistic that way this is more there's a group and then administratively they send out other groups to different areas so we would have i think it's called a presbytery some presbyterians getting to listen to this and be like what the what is she talking about <laughs> but that's that's my general sense of it that's, that's what i'm remembering <laughs> but that is my sort of sense that it's more it's it is more communal than the episcopal system but but less democratic than the congregational system. Yeah, it's it's tough. This whole conversation, you know, it's tough because the the democratic system is there's something really sweet about how we make that happen. But I'm positive there are there's room for movement in terms of doing it a little bit differently so we're more effective and less lost in the sauce. Well, yeah, maybe if it was just that we were less committed to the very strong walls that we build around ourselves you know if we sort of took an eraser and made those boundaries a little softer right and more fluid and were in relationship with each other like i would really love to see accountability built in like you can get a minister in a church for decades who whose behavior is not sort of considered appropriate in the larger UU world, but there's no pushback. There's nowhere to go with that. 
I mean, unless unless there's like real sexual misconduct, right? Or he's stealing, or she is stealing money. There's kind of nowhere to go. So, which may be changing. I think the MFC may be opening that conversation up more, but but there has traditionally been nowhere to go. Whereas we know that local churches know, local churches know when somebody is behaving badly, right? How lovely would it be if if the board of another church or the ministers of other churches had responsibility to hold people accountable, to have conversations, to say, look, this is what's happening right now in your church. And you need to really, like, let's talk about it and think it through and figure out ways forward rather than just backing off and letting it implode. It's complicated. I mean, this brings me back to when we were talking about collaboration. I mean, the reason why I'm convinced the reason why more of that doesn't exist is because it's harder and it takes a lot longer. It's a lot more layered and involved. And I think while we're trying on new models, it's going to take longer than it would in the long run once models are chosen that seem to be really working. But we're going to have to try different stuff and we're going to have to be willing to do it to do that. I don't know on a denominational level if everyone's ready, but it does seem like there is some ripeness. So, but what would it take? Like, what would it really take for, say, three churches that are within driving distance of each other? Right? I'm thinking through like the Midwest and the South and places where there are fewer churches. I think it's easier for us in the Northeast. But if you're part of a church that has been independent and kind of isolated, what does it take? Well, I mean, honestly, it doesn't have to be, it, it could be that there are four in your town, too. I mean, you may still be independent and isolated, honestly. So anybody, what would it take to be in authentic partnership with someone else, with another church? Like, how would you even start that conversation? I think religious educators often are the ones who start. Yeah, I, the starting of the conversation to me is never a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> That's a phone call. Let's set up a meeting. I'm thinking about this. Yeah, but how does the how do congregants, right? So the professionals maybe can all do it. But how do you get a congregation to to think, yes, we want, like, I mean, in some ways it's about giving up some independence. It is. That's the part I think is going to be the most sticky for sure. How do you move people to that? I mean, I, I for me, it, it obviously, you know, just like it is with any idea that's new, presenting a framework that says this is what, the, this is what it is. That, I mean, it gets back to your first question in the first episode, right? Like, what the hell are we doing here? Right. You know, so that first, like, reviewing what the mission is overall, bringing everyone back to the root of what it is that we're here to do. Like, what is it that we're about? And then putting forward, like, this is how we're doing that. And this is why it's maybe not working as well as it could. What if we looked at this and then presenting that framework and saying these are the outcomes and benefits that we see arising from this, which really serve the mission more, you know, putting it forward in a way where there, there, there can be a, an envisioning of the benefits. And it's a really new visioning because it's really thinking about how to do life differently. It's not just our churches. It's, it's this whole idea of being in the world as a collaborative world citizen. And, and the accountability is totally built in you know, holding ourselves and our institutions accountable is kind of built into that whole process. Because in order for these kinds of collaborative ways of doing things to work, building a more equitable world, we have to also 
start from the premise of holding ourselves accountable truly, which means when we're uncomfortable, we need to stick it out and push through and communicate uh, until we get to that place. So this is where the Episcopal model comes in, though, because wouldn't it be great if someone could walk into your church and say, look, we're going to try something like we're just going to do it rather than we're going to spend the next five years talking about whether to try, we're going to try it. We're going to we're going to just try something and everyone needs to be on board and let's just figure it out. Let's let's think more about how we make it happen rather than whether we're going to make it happen and just do it and then evaluate and decide if it worked. But it feels to me like what you would need to start this is someone to walk in and with a really good plan and a, a vision and, and some authority probably. Because like right now, even if you could get UUA staff to think that this was a good idea, and I think a lot of them probably do in terms of just being collaborative, they have no authority. They can't walk in and say, we're gonna do this. And they're not necessarily even trusted enough to that were they to present something that people would think, yes, well, you're, you know, you know what you're talking about. We're going to do it. We're so suspicious, right? And so anti-authority that even if someone I've actually had the experience of just being asked to facilitate conversations, like I, it's not my church at all. Like I have no, I don't care what you do. I'm just here to facilitate. And people getting mad at me because they feel like I'm coming in to tell them what to do. I'm like, I haven't even said like a complete sentence. I just, I'm asking you questions, (laughs) but they're so allergic to the idea that someone might be telling them what to do. Right. So if we're going to really grow and change, we have to get rid of that. I think also too, presenting something as an invitation with some level of compassion is a great opener. So like putting the all call out to a few congregations to say, Hey, is anybody experiencing issues with this, this, and this, like three, three main things, you know, the payroll system and administrative things like, you know, maybe two other things. And then we've got some ideas about how this might work differently. Would you like to meet up and talk about that? You know, and just gathering a couple of congregations at first to sort of pilot some ideas in my experience so far with the denomination, getting more and more uh, open to these kind of collaborative models. I think there's more of a readiness to hear it from a few congregations that are already making that work. Like, because folks need to know ahead of time, kind of, I mean, you know, we talked about that when I was in college as an adult at FIT for an advertising and marketing communications degree was, you know, communicating together, getting on the same page, having a plan and first identifying the need and then planning around it. But there are early adopters and not everybody's an early adopter. So the early adopters, put something together, and then those who generally come in after they have some assurance that it's of how it works, you know, it can roll from there. Yeah, you know what? People should take this podcast and just like, you know, like get a group together. Use yeah. it as a study guide. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> Completely convoluted, labyrinth styles. I mean, I mean, but honestly, though, like as opposed to coming in with an air of we're going to tell you how, you know, how to do this. It's more of like coming in with a shared need and we're going to work together to figure out how to fill that need. It's just a different shift. It's more of an invite. Yeah. So we got to figure out how we end these things. (laughs) Kind of said what I need to say on this. Do you have more to say on this? No, uh -uh. that's it. 
Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Disrupt Church Podcast, hosted by Reverend Peggy Clark and Jill Novensky and produced by me, Starling Carter, for the Community Church of New York. To find out more about Community Church, visit us online at ccny.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or better yet, send it to a friend. See you next time.